0: Welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All the Things. So, I want to preface this podcast recording with the following I created this podcast to simply be an avenue and a way for me to get my message out there and hope that some people would get educated and inspired along the way. I am not using anything special for audio. I created my own artwork, and I'm proud of that. I don't need to be in a mixing studio with all the things, ironically, in order to be able to get my message out to you. However, this episode was recorded in September and my housekeeper turned on water in the middle. You might not even notice it, but I certainly did. And the sound of the water in the background disrupted me so much that I actually held on to this episode for quite a few weeks before feeling comfortable just getting it out there. Not even comfortable, more like getting over myself because I know that there's people out there that will take this message to heart. Now, this episode is actually very different than my others, and I think that you can apply it to yourself in any manner, even if you don't have an autoimmune disease or one of the diseases that we mention, but you can take the thought process that Justin and I discuss and apply it to your own life. If you are feeling stuck in any area, whether it be relationships, work, entrepreneurship, school, whatever, if you're feeling stuck, you very likely did not deal with something emotional that is holding you back. And so I hope that this episode and Justin and I's conversation will inspire you to examine something in your history that may be holding you back in any area of your life. And if you are finding that you are physically experiencing an illness or something that may be contributing to your illness that you consider what Justin says about you can take as many supplements as you want you can see as many doctors as you want you can take as much blood work as you want but if you don't deal with the underlying stuff the stuff is always going to be there I came across Justin well he actually came across me he commented on a post of mine and we went to messenger and I was messaging him back and forth about what he does and how he helps women heal and I found it very interesting, interestingly enough, interesting enough rather, to bring him on to my podcast and have him speak some wisdom into you. So that is the beginning of this whole saga. I hope that this episode speaks some truth into your life and helps you simply not settle for what you have right now, not settle for being fine, not settle for what you think has to be, but understand that you can always improve, whether it be in your health or something else. You are your own best advocate and don't let any practitioner tell you that this is all you're going to get. There's always something else. There's always someone else. Keep fighting you guys. And to my Hashi's warriors, I understand you and I hope that this episode helps you guys the most. Okay, so I am not one that's like everything's about titles and the letters after your name. However, I do want people to know that you are a clinician. You have a master's in human nutrition. You're an author and the founder of the autoimmune revolution. So can you tell me a little bit about you and what led you to this path? Like what, what made this your passion and why, why is this important to you?
1: Yeah. Great question. So, Really, the short of it is that when I went to graduate school, I had the intention of studying alternative medicine for cancer. That's really what I wanted to do. And I kind of just went down a different path because my mom had Hashimoto's and I discovered that I didn't know anything about it. And then I realized, well, she's not getting any real help from conventional medicine. And um, honestly, naturopathic medicine wasn't doing a whole lot better. Um, so... Then I really decided to explore it and figure out well what can I do to help her, and that's what got me really interested in autoimmunity because I saw that Hashimoto's is really really common, and so is lupus and MS and rheumatoid arthritis and all these other ones. So that's really why I, I decided to go down that path because it's a dire need for help in that realm, um, more so than cancer, I would say. And plus, like not to mention, like you think about it, the incidence of cancer and heart disease together makes up the entire population of autoimmunity in this country, which is like 50 million. So it's a lot. So that's why I did it. And um, yeah, I I never expected to be here. I'll be completely honest about that. Never in a million years. I'm an artist. That's what I was like my whole life. I, I still play music. I still do art. But that's the core of who I am. But I wouldn't change any of this in the world. Like this is just what my purpose has led me to, to do now.
0: Okay. So I do want to point out that we are not, whoever's listening, we are not your doctor. We might say things you disagree with, that's okay. We might turn you on to thinking a different way possibly. And that's really my goal, you know, being someone who is sick, who when I was diagnosed was told it is not a big deal. You're gonna take a pill one today. you're gonna be fine. And I was not fine <laughs> at all. Um, and you know, you go to people who, when you say, oh, I'm having some of these issues, you're like, would you like some Lexapro? And I'm like, I do not want anti-anxiety meds. I want you to help me. They don't right. even think in a way where, like, they make you think your body's hurting itself, which, you know, let's talk about the science. You know, what is an autoimmune disease? Why do people not need to own that? Like, your body's not hurting you, right? So what's the science behind it? And then we'll kind of talk about the rest.
1: Yeah, so simply autoimmunity is defined as where the immune system can't, define, uh, can't distinguish between self and not right? So it sees foreign substances and toxins and food and infections, whatever that may be. And it says, hey, that looks a lot like my own tissue or or that's one of the mechanisms at least. So it can't, it misidentifies. And so it starts attacking your own tissue. And actually that happens in all of us as healthy, normal health, you know, functioning human beings. We all have antibodies to some degree actually. So it's part of like just normal physiology and, and really maintaining good health. But Obviously, it tilts in the wrong direction too far, and that's where we get full-blown problems and and, and uh, cancer and loss of function and tissue damage and so forth. So, um, but back to my original point, we know in the literature there's a lot of this depending on what the disease is. There's you know, certain microbes and pathogens and, and bugs and food and environmental toxins that are all responsible for for. Um, causing this abnormal immune reaction. And that has a lot to do with the genetic susceptibility and the genes involved in that, which doesn't say that it's a genetic issue. It's not. Genes are not responsible. And the reason why you have a disease, you know, the, the, the term or the phrase that is tossed around in functional medicine is the genetics loads the gun, the environmental the trigger. And that's really what it is. It's a lifestyle disease. Lifestyle got you here, lifestyle can get you out. We really need to embrace that because if we start to think of it as everyone in my family had an autoimmune disease that I'm going have it too. Same with cancer. You're going to become a victim to that and that's going to become your identity. And then it's, there's almost no way of getting out of that. So the best thing you can ever do for yourself is to start to change your belief around autoimmunity and see that you can get out of this and get your normal health back again. You know, because if, if you don't do that, then nothing that anybody has to help you with, to, you know, to, to serve you with is going to work no tools or no intervention that you're going to want to use because you're going to be stuck with that belief. You see what I mean? So it has to start with you and that entire change in perception.
0: Well, let's say you take the usual person, right, who doesn't know this, and they're going to doctors who are just putting them on meds. They're feeling sicker. They're gaining weight. They have brain fog. I mean – it can be really sucky living with it and thinking that it's something that you did or you just got really bad luck, right? Like your body just sucks. Like I hated my body for a very long time. I felt like it had turned on me, right? So what would you say to someone they're seeing, not even endocrinologists, which don't even get me started on that. Not to be disrespectful, but I fired 18 of them and I will never see another one ever again. But, um, you're taking the usual person, they're listening to this, they're like, oh, yeah, I have one of these things, you know, what, what scientifically can they do? Besides for them, we'll get to the emotional part.
1: What can they do? Um, so, th- yeah, th- there's a lot of different angles to this. But mostly, it's, it's learning about your history. And this is probably the most important thing for me, and it's looking retrospectively and checking out your biography and well, how you got here, because this disease didn't happen overnight. So the most crucial component for us is to, you know, think about well, what, what sort of events did you go through? What experiences did you have? Did you travel often? Did you have root canals or dental amalgam fillings? Did you like live near a nuclear power plant? Did you work in a coal mine? I don't know, just random things like that that matter, you know, because um, that's gonna give us a lot of clues into seeing what you may have uh, acquired as far as the toxins and infections go, um, that accumulate over, over time. And that's really what it is. You have a bucket of stuff, and it's like the water keeps you know, filling up with different triggers that you accumulate, and then all of a sudden it spills over and you have full-blown autoimmunity. But the cool thing is that we can detect these antibodies in the blood many, many, many years before full-blown stage 3 autoimmune occurs, which is really just... Where most people end up when they get diagnosed is stage three, full-blown autoimmunity, and it's like there's a lot of a lot of tissue damage and loss of function. But if we can if we can test, excuse me, test this early on. So, for example, lupus antibodies can show up in the blood seven, eight, nine years, I think, before diagnosis, and that's really empowering because you've you've an ability to stop it in its tracks. So that's really what we want to do. Um, but again, we're not we don't do that. Professional medicine doesn't care about preventive medicine, right? So you have to find your way of doing this on your own, which you can do. And really, how do you know if you need to do this or what antibodies tests for? Well, ask yourself, who my family has or what disease do my relatives have or siblings have? Because if it's in the family, then you probably want to check those types of antibodies. So um, I hope that answers the question. I just kind of went off. but
0: So you're saying that people should be their own advocate. Find a doctor if yeah. they can that would test those things. And then what? So they know they have the antibodies what's a good way to then reverse it or stop it? Yeah.
1: And honestly, you can try to do it on your own, but you're probably going to need support with it. I'm just being honest. It doesn't have to be me or you or anybody. I'm just saying, because it's it's really an investigative process. Nobody knows really a lot about it until you actually learn. See, the thing is we need to know what type, what type of person disease has versus what type of disease um, the person has, right? What type of person has a disease. That's what we want to know. And so that's, gives, that gives us a lot of important insight. So we we can start to like heal the gut and, and try to reduce stress and those emotional things and childhood trauma and, and work on that. But even that is trickier. So, you know, a lot of people will resort to supplements and changing their diet. And that's a good starting point. Honestly, it is. But the one thing I will always say, and it holds true every time, is that you cannot diet and supplement your way out of an autoimmune disease. You can't. If it was that simple, we wouldn't be stuck. So you can do those things. I I recommend you explore that. But don't be surprised if you don't really get the results you want.
0: So let's talk a little bit about how you – what is your take? Why is it so unique? And why is it that if it's working, right, like like people are healing, why are doctors so closed off? Like, if they're supposed to be healing people, why would you say they're not?
1: Why are physicians, medical medicine, not helping people? Well, I mean, the, really, the, the bottom line is that they're just not trained. Big Pharma has, you know, they're like the, the, the puppeteer and they're kind of just, you know, <laughs> telling everybody what to do. And, and, and the FDA is involved in that. And so um, it's just, it's not, there's no money in that. To, to help people get better, right? It, it's kind of messed up, obviously, but it just makes sense. And so we just gotta, you know, it's not to say that doctors don't care and they're not empathetic and want to help, but they are also being pulled in a different direction, being like, you need to push drugs and you need to sell this stuff, right? Otherwise, you're gonna get kicked out all the perceived disorganizations or whatever, like who knows, you know? So um, there is a little bit of that conflict, that decenance, so they they have to abide by certain rules and they just don't how to treat autoimmunity and know how to prevent it because they are not trained it in med school so um that has a lot to really do with it um because i think they know pretty damn well that this is all per- reversible preventable and healable diseases but if we did that then big pharma would would have a hard time surviving at least <laughs> you know
0: yeah it actually reminds me on did you ever watch uh, true blood yeah. Okay, yeah. so at the very end when they have the cure for the vampires and the vampire's like, Well we're gonna make a synthetic version of it and people are gonna have to come back like I don't know, every six months to get it and the guy was like, Why? He's like, Well, that's how you make money
1: And yeah, that's right. when I was
0: like, Oh my gosh, I think that's what they're doing And I don't wanna be like the like conspiracy theorist here, but that's
1: not at all. It's it's I, I know, you know, there are plenty of articles and things I've read and, and people I've talked to who have been in the big pharma space and been a med rep. And they all say the same thing. They know exactly it's all collusion and corruption. And it's the way it is, you know?
0: So you can sit
1: there and complain about it or you can try to be your own health advocate and do whatever you need to do for yourself.
0: Right, right. So it kind of is what it is. Now people know, okay, this is not something that has to be forever. Um, Supplements and changing the way you eat can be a great place to start, but what's the end goal?
1: And the thing also I'll add is that I'm not anti-meds either. They definitely have their need. I will be one hundred percent honest with that. Like I got have a client with endometriosis that she needs birth control. it's just we need it, you know? And so there are pros and cons of this stuff. Like they they definitely will have their need and there are band-aids, but you know, at the same time we can also do a lot with getting through the problem.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the emotional aspect of right. how how is that holding back and what kind of work would someone want to do to begin the healing process?
1: So the, the challenge here is that a lot of people don't realize they have unresolved, unmet, unprocessed, unreconciled emotions and wounds from childhood or even early adult life. Right. A lot of people think that, well, I didn't have any trauma. I had a great upbringing. My parents were really nice and they were kind to me with all this stuff. But I, I good. I'm happy for you. But it doesn't have to be that way right, in order for you to have trauma, in order, meaning it doesn't have to be like they had to be bad parents. So we get, we all have different experiences, and the way we perceive that, interpret it, and the beliefs we have around it is actually what causes us to have trauma. So really, we all have had it. It's just a matter of to what degree and whether or not we're aware of it. So with that being said, I find that a lot of women, especially with autoimmunity, have these emotions like guilt and shame and unworthiness and inadequacy, unlovability, abandonment, neglect is really common right now for me. Um, so like that stuff, you, you hold on to that, right? The body doesn't, doesn't forget what the mind does. And so that really creates emotional blocks and it really disturbs the physiology. And so we have to look at that because it's operating at a subconscious level and it's pushing you into these self-defeating behaviors that can look like materialism and promiscuity and alcohol and binge eating and eating disorders, right? And we see these all the time, but we don't ask why. And a lot of times it's because of things in their past, you know, and we're just trying to cope with it. So for me, it's it's uh, a lot of this, well, your disease tells you a story not just about your cells, but of yourself. And we have to, again, look, like I said before, look retrospectively and see, well, what, what's there that needs healing. And that's the missing link because we all look at physiology when it comes to doctors, right? And practitioners, really, honestly, as a whole. It's physiology, biology, cool. Supplement this, detox that, liver stuff this, cool. But we're missing the biography and the psychology. So it's those two domains that I spend most of my time doing. I don't neglect like exactly physiology at all. I don't, don't get me wrong. But you have to do these other two things first because if you don't, that will override and overshadow any beneficial thing you do in the physiology department. If that makes sense. The stress is that powerful to really, to set you back and derail your health and really keep you stuck. if You don't address it.
0: hundred percent. I find that, you know, there's different kinds of doctors for different body parts when really you're one whole.
1: And that's the, that's a total medical flaw model because we have a reductionist mindset and things are not in pieces and, and <laughs> individual parts like that. And that's why we go see hematologists for blood issues. We see, you know, uh, endocrinologists for hormones. And it's like, you know, and you get different bits of advice here and there. And it's like, that's why it's so confusing and why it's so, so hard for a lot of people, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I guess the two last things I would want to touch on is, let's say someone is in the process of healing themselves. What can they actively do if they do have children to create an environment that doesn't breed disease, right? Like what would you say that in an ideal world, what does that look like?
1: So let me understand that question again. You're saying if they want to, if they have kids or they want to have kids and what can they do to ensure that they don't require autoimmunity, is that right?
0: Yeah, like how to not pass on the, maybe the environment or the trauma or the thought process that.
1: So a little bit of this is not completely in our control so there is transgenerational trauma which is a thing we have to at least be aware of that that if your grandparents had been through the holocaust or world war one you can inherit a stress or suicidal thoughts things i've heard about and seen not with my clients of course but because i don't do that but like that can be passed on to you because you're inheriting a stress that isn't yours and so it is pretty crazy how that sort of thing can happen however that aside yeah, I mean, it's really the it, the household in domestic life is the first starting point because you're a kid, you're around your parents, you caregivers all the time, right? So they have a huge role and responsibility in, in sort of shaping your behaviors and your thoughts and beliefs about things. However, outside of that, in the schoolyard and in the, in the neighborhood and whoever else you're hanging around with, you don't have control over that as, like, as a parent. So it's, up to the, it's really up to whoever's around at the time to help console and – you know, kind of like I would say, help a, a young kid or a child deal with things that that arise, and that's not always something we can do, you know. And this is this is again why it's it's not really in our control. But um, the one thing we can do that, that I will impart here is that when you when you have a a child, for example, again maybe between the ages like one and seven, which is really the most vulnerable stage, I would say, with brain development and all that stuff, where it really matters. But you can if someone's if a, if a young kid you have is experiencing some sort of like you know say for example he 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 or she got got pushed or fell off her bike or something or was and was made fun of by her neighbor, right? That's an opportunity to be like you know um, to down regulate the the stress response, right? Help them feel calm, right? That's the first step. The second part is relating to them, making them feel heard and understood and, and acknowledging their feelings and emotions. Because if you don't do that, that's my they start to create beliefs and stories that push them to these misperceptions about themselves and life as a whole, and then it pushes them to self-harm and self-sabotage, right? So it's regulating the, the nervous system, it's relating to their emotions, and then reasoning would be the last part where you just help them see the truth of the matter, right? And it's a lot of just, like, cognitive empathy, right? Compassionate empathy, right? Those are the overall terms that we want to use and and think about. And that's just, like, helping them see the truth of the matter and and changing their beliefs about what they might have. Because if you don't, they're going to sort of create it on their own, like I said. And that's where they can start to develop traumatic uh, traumas, I would say, that stick inside of them.
0: Interesting. So... Tell me a little bit about how you help people specifically with your program.
1: So, like I mentioned, we do the physiology and all those great things that we need to do. But it, it's the, the first part for me in the top of the total ball, like I said, is the physio. I'm sorry, the biography and, and the psychology. So that's mind-body medicine. It's the connection between those three domains. And it's focused on transforming stress and wounds and pain into a journey of healing and awakening. So we're transforming one's illness into a process of self-regulation, self-discovery, and self-awareness. So we can minimize obstacles to health and stimulate their own healing power. because that's what we want to do. I'm just a guidance counselor, I'm just a SherPA. I'm just whatever you want to call me. You know I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm here to help stimulate your own feelings. That's what it is. The missing ingredient in this soup of all the things that we're doing is actually our own self. We have to integrate our own consciousness. And our own participation in the disease process, because we're not. We're just like going to the people, the doctors out there, hey, come fix me, fix me, fix this. And it doesn't work that way. So, the purpose for for what I do also is to tap into the, help you tap into the mental, emotional, behavioral, psychosocial, spiritual dimensions. and, And in order to restore and enhance your own health. Right, So the, the, the role of therapy for me is to guide you into accessing those thoughts, those feelings, those images, those beliefs, those attitudes, those memories, and using methods that are designed to reinforce that awareness and that insight and that self-healing. So quite simply, I guide people to open up, listen inside. I support them to view their pain and embrace their truth, and I help them engage in their own healing journey and help bring them home to their uh, true authentic self that Makes sense,
0: and you have found that healing the psychology has then shown up in their body physically.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, we know that from a science standpoint, it's not like woo woo stuff. Like, we know that the mind bodies to get, get together and connected, and so that stuff um, leaves an imprint on the body. And so, that that's where you know, I've had Hashimoto's clients like say they feel guilt or you know, anger like here, right? And it's like, you know, it's, it tells you a lot about things. It's probably leaning towards Chinese medicine a little bit, which isn't my thing so much. And I don't pay attention to that a whole lot. But it, it's just important to understand that these things are not separate, you know, and we have to acknowledge that because um, if, we, if we continue to have a sort of dichotomy between mind and thoughts and, and physical issues, then we're gonna continue to be stuck. And I've seen huge transformations in women who have dealt with abandonment and guilt and shame and unworthiness, and when they do that, you know, suddenly the pain gets better, right? All the fatigue starts to dissipate. So it takes time, that's the only thing I can say is that you gotta be patient, you gotta trust the process.
0: So what would you say to end off, you know, someone's listening, they were just diagnosed Mm -hmm. with something, they're feeling hopeless, you know, so they do have hope. There is a possibility of healing. They don't have to continue down. Like, this isn't a, doesn't have to be a lifelong prognosis. What would you say, like, you know, ending off to these women?
1: What I would say is you can tr- listen, honestly, you're going to try a lot of things and you're going to get let down and feel disappointed. I hear it all the time. My mom was the same way. But the thing is that, I say, your teacher is your illness. Pain is, I'm sorry, um, pain is your teacher. Illness is your, is your opportunity, really. You have to start to think about this differently. If you start hating your disease all the time and talking about it and to other people and blaming people and having a poor relationship with it, which a lot of people do, hence to become a victim, you're never going to get well, right? Einstein said you can't, you can't, um, uh, what do you say? I can't remember which quote I want to use here. Um, the you can't you the, the consciousness that you had before that got you sick is in the same consciousness that can get you better. That's not directly how it said, but um, that's the whole idea. And so, like, we need to change our relationship with our disease, essentially. Um, and and that's the first part. Now, when you decide to do that and you realize that okay, nothing has worked after trying eight different things and seeing twenty different doctors, you have to also understand that. What has not worked for you doesn't mean that, like, that's it and there's nothing else. There is a solution out there. You just got to be willing to explore it and be open to it. Um, and that's a huge shout for people, right? They feel like they can't trust anybody anymore. But this, this comes down to the overall bigger picture of, like, well, who in my family, who in my life is relying on me? My kids, my family, my friends, whoever else. Like, what's the meaning, what's the opportunity with your disease? Meaning, what's the what's the opportunity within your disease to help you get better as an individual, but also the meaning to help others, right? Because if we don't do that, then we're doomed as, as, as a society, honestly, because think about autoimmunity and the incidence of it, it's just getting higher and higher. And so if we're all being victims to do nothing about it, then we're better, we'll literally pass that on to everybody in a way, whether, whether from a genetic standpoint or by having our kids see this and see what we're doing. And they, they're gonna grow up to be people that, um, feel helpless, hopeless, and become victims themselves. So it has a ripple effect. and It's so important for us to get out of this sort of place of new normal, right? Which we all kind of, <laughs> I hear it all the time. This is my new normal. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be. You know, you might want to change that belief. So I hope that
0: clears. Yeah, I love that. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I hope that that's how people walk away from this instead of hiding And being like, oh my God, that was really scary and a lot of information. You know, if you have to listen to this again and understand that it doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be your new normal. You can take control and create an actual new normal. So thank you, Justin. And I hope that this helps people. Thank you for listening. I hope that you love today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media. Subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.